Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Friday, October 9th, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Unlike other indicted murderers, Jordan Floyd's killer, Derek Chauvin, will be allowed to leave the state of Minnesota. What the hell is going on? The New England Journal of Medicine, for the first time in its more than 200-year history, has endorsed a presidential candidate. That's how awful Donald Trump is. The families of Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Jackie Robinson are pissed off at the Trump campaign is using the images of both of those men in campaign ads. 
A black jogger is getting a lot of attention on social media after he's stopped by ICE agents. The Biden campaign has released a new ad featuring Samuel L. Jackson. We'll also look at the Tennessee U.S. Senate race with candidate Marquita Bradshaw. Plus, a new bunch of anti-Trump ads ooh, dealing with the coronavirus. Y'all, we're also going to have a live simulcast with Sirius XM Radio. It's time to bring the funk. I'm rolling Mark down the field trip. Let's go. Folks, uh, in Minnesota, a judge has ruled that the Department of Corrections provided evidence that unidentified safety concerns have arisen in the case of Derek Chauvin. He is the former cop who was the one responsible for the death of George Floyd. Now, this is interesting. The judge is modifying the conditions of his release to allow Chauvin to live either in Minnesota or a neighboring state. The judge also said that Chauvin will have no permanent address in the public court information system, but must report his new address to his conditional release officer who can share it with the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office Court Security Division, the prosecution and the defense. He will also be required to keep a cell phone on his person at all times and answer all calls from the Department of Corrections. Of course, Chauvin is the former Minneapolis cop who was the one responsible for the death of George Floyd, kneeling on him for eight minutes and 46 seconds, suffocating him to death. My panel, Rob Richardson, host of Disruption Now podcast. Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network show. Dr. Niambe Carter, Howard University Department of Political Science. What the hell, uh, Rob? Isn't it amazing? Sh please, just show me an example. Show me an example of a non-cop who gets to leave the state and doesn't have to give their address. This is what is called the system, protecting cops when they murder Americans. Oh, there's just no question about that. And, and uh, I can't name your case, and I doubt if anybody else could because it doesn't exist. Uh, we have special rights for officers and we have less rights for African-Americans. We know that in this country. And this is this is part this is part of our battle that we about. We continue to fight. And I, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, this is this is new. Generally, I, I've seen cases like this in Cincinnati in terms of we've had we've had officers do. Unfortunately, this is not new. What happened has happened over and over again. But I haven't seen a case where they could, they allow you to leave the state. I mean, that's new. Um, and so they shouldn't have this privilege. He has no right to have this privilege. But herein, this is this is America. This is what we're fighting for. We're fighting. We're still fighting for our, our humanity. We're still fighting for a system to make sure that we have the rights that everybody else does. Um, and he shouldn't have any special rights. And but but we know that they do. This this is again, Dr. Carter. It, it, it just shows you how the system is all about protecting cops, protecting them at all costs. The cop. Uh, who raped the black women in Oklahoma, how they, mm -hmm. they wouldn't even put 
his location in the state prison system in the database. Okay, well, excuse the hell out of me if you were the one out there sexually assaulting. No, you're no longer a damn cop. You don't get the, those protections. Those, this is the kind of stuff how people say, oh, preferential treatment, and this is how y'all get over it every time. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is, I mean, as Rob so uh, eloquently put it, this is something that we've seen over and over again. And I think the message that we keep sending, um, and this is why people have to say Black Lives Matter over and over again, because you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and still expect to get bail and still expect to leave the state and essentially be uh, free to do whatever you want to do, quite frankly. I mean, there's nothing to stop Derek Chauvin from doing this again. But we saw this with Breonna Taylor, right? The officers are only charged, the officer that was, was only charged with firing bullets recklessly, not murdering this young woman. And I think we know that the price of black life means nothing when it's a police officer on the other end of that gun or on that other end of that taser or whatever baton or whatever means they have to take our lives. This is disgusting. Um, and we certainly know that this is not going to move the needle on these all these conversations people have about black folks having confidence in the justice system. What justice system? This is an injustice. It's, it's, it's gross. It's a gross miscarriage of justice. But Michael, one of the things that, again, yes. when I think about uh, cases like this, when I think about how these contracts are written where a police officer mm -hmm. doesn't have to test, doesn't have to give an interview for 48 hours or a week, in some cases they get to actually look at uh, the statements made been. by other yep. witnesses before they do, and only because Georgia changed the law, for the longest in Georgia... The state law allowed for a police officer before a grand jury to literally sit in the grand jury proceedings, which are supposed right. to be secret, where even if you are a witness, you can't even bring your own lawyer in. This right. is the madness that we are trying to fight when it comes to a system that is stacked against victims and is all about making it easy for the cops to get off. Well, uh, Roland, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, number one. But watch whiteness work. Watch whiteness work. This is this is what we're looking at. So, And this is an example of how not just elections are so important, but also laws, because politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, policy, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So when we look at this, I was, I was trying to think of a case where they allow a police officer to leave the state, move to a different state uh, in a situation where they killed someone. I couldn't think of one. Okay, I know what Amber Geiger, she left her apartment and let and moved to maybe a neighboring city or something like that. No, no, what actually no, 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 actually what happened was so Collin mm -hmm. County so Collin County um mm -hmm. is uh is next to Dallas County. Right. And so right. she turned herself into Collin County authorities versus mm -hmm. Dallas County. But remember no, she left her apartment. Remember but, she right, left right, her right. But remember they let her leave. Yeah. And she didn't right, right. and she didn't have to give her witness test. She didn't have to give her mm -hmm. her uh, her uh her interview to the cops. She got to wait several days, and the Texas Texas Department of uh, Texas Rangers uh, say, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you later. Right, right. What? So, so this all ties into the um, the police officers' contracts, which are negotiated by their unions. Okay, this is why when we deal with this culture of policing and, and, and reforming this culture of policing, it's not just the police departments, it's also police unions, but then this ties into the laws and the contracts that are also signed, that are also signed off on by 
the members of city council or mayors or what yeah. have you. So all all of this is connected. So we really have to understand um, the different parts of this whole to really understand what what it is we're fighting. But at the at the end of the day, things that I tell my listeners are because you know just uh, yesterday I think it was he posted one million dollar cash bond or a day before one of them, and a lot of people were surprised. I said, look. This is all part of the process. I knew it was coming. It took him longer. You know, if it was less money, he would have raised it sooner because the unions raised money for them, et cetera. But in cases like this, individuals do, absolutely, individuals do too. But but a lot of times the police unions, you know, will raise money for them to help them post bail. So what I tell a lot of my listeners and and those on my Facebook fan page is that this this like four main things that I focus on when we see these police uh, killings. Uh, One, uh, charges, two, prosecution, three, conviction, four, sentencing. You're going to see all these different maneuvers in between that, trying to smear the victim who's dead, things like that. But those are the four main things that I really focus on. Yep. And, and to add to that, Roland, because you made a lot of good points, I just want to say uh, process, because he kind of hit on this, but the process before process. you even get to that point, because if the if if the if the contract that's negotiated with the city is in place, it's a collective bargaining agreement, yes. people don't like to hear this, but there's nothing you can do about it if it's already in place and it's been signed, but that's usually up every three years. So you need to know when that contract negotiation is coming up. You need to know about the 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 contents of that of that contract. And there are some absurd things, like you guys said, like you know, there are there are some laws say like they're able to they're able to wait 48 hours, all that stuff. We we need to know some of that. And you need to talk to your yes. city council person and, and they need to make sure that they are they are testing the limits of these agreements. There's only so much they can do, but they can test the limits and they rarely have any type of conflict, usually just agree with nothing. Right. And and, and just very quickly, Ron, if I could, for a few seconds, with, with all the, you know, uh, with, I have a lot of respect for those who protest and march, those in Black Lives Matter, civil rights movement. But we have to understand if the laws are designed to trap us, we have to understand the law better than they understand the law. We need to understand where all the booby traps are, all the pitfalls are. So just like you had Dr. Greg Carl, and just like you have other African-American legal scholars, we have to have these training camps, these boot camps, where we, where we are taught how all this works. So we understand how to navigate it when we're protesters, how we, we understand how to navigate it also so we don't get caught up in the system as well. Absolutely. All right, folks. Uh, this is crazy. In a scathing editorial, the New England Journal of Medicine calls on voters to throw Donald Trump out of office. It's the first time the medical journal has taken a stance on a U.S. presidential election since it was founded in 1812. The editorial states, quote, when it comes to the response to the largest public health crisis of our time, our current political leaders have demonstrated that they are dangerously incompetent. We should not abet them and enable the deaths of thousands more Americans by allowing them to keep their jobs. The editorial was signed by nearly three dozen of the journal's editors. Joining me now is Dr. Ebony Hilton. She's associate professor of anesthesiology and critical care medicine at the University of Virginia. Ebony, glad to have you back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Damn! I mean, they have never, they've never said this before. This is, and this is called clearly, get this fool out. Listen. There's a lot happening. I think America needs a timeout. We need to figure out who is actually running our country and um, and who's running it behind that person because the person in charge right now is not firing on all cylinders. So, 
Yeah, here we are. Well, this is, and of course, uh, Eddie has also announced that he's going to be having, he's already had a super spreader event for A.B. Coney Barrett that uh, that's infected all these different people. Uh, I still don't believe that he's actually uh, fully out uh, of the woods when it comes to coronavirus. Now this fool is going to have 700 people on the South Lawn of the White House tomorrow. You got to be a dumbass. You got to be an absolute dumbass to go to the White House for any event after nearly two dozen people have been infected with coronavirus, including the fool holding the event. Right. I mean, at this point, I I honestly don't understand um, what the driver is. Initially, people can try to deny that it exists. Um, he said it was a hoax. Um, then people could say, well, everyone else is getting sick, but he has such tight protocols and he's safe. But now, literally... He, the White House is a cesspool. Um, is I don't know. It's troubling. So at this point, whoever shows up is literally asking to be infected by COVID-19. I'm just hoping that they take consideration to say if they make that choice for their own life, that they do not take it outside the walls of their own home or the lawn of the White House to infect other people who didn't ask for this. Because they will be spreaders of this virus, and people are going to die. Hell, unnecessary. Hell, Neambe, Mitch McConnell is already on record saying, I ain't taking my ass to the White House. They got some jacked-up-ass protocols. Right. And I feel like if that's... Oh, actually, hold on. Uh, Neambe, go ahead. I can't hear you. Go ahead. Mitch McConnell doesn't want to die before his election, right? So Mitch McConnell is not a fool. I mean, now, they're happy to let the rest of us die. They're happy to let the rest of us take risks, but they're not willing to take those same risks and those same gambles with their own lives. And I think that should tell everybody something. I mean, when you look at the fact that the White House has infected more people than some small countries had in a day, that should tell you something about how serious the disease is and the fact that this White House will not respond to any of the real information yeah, they have coming from their own public health uh, officials tells you something about the lack of care that they have. Uh, Ebony, you, you better comment. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to make a comment about uh, McConnell. I think it's absolutely um, borderline criminal for him to suggest that it's not safe for him and, and his fellow senators to meet in a, a very contained um, space of where we're all adults and we know how to follow protocols and rules and wear masks, but yet he's telling um, people to send their children, of which we know children, they're beautiful um, little people, they don't realize the dangers of what happens when you touch your face and when you take your mask off and when you cough in your in your friend's face. They don't understand that danger. And yet the Senate has stated time and time again that we need to force the doors open to our schools, jeopardize the life of our children um, while they, they get to sit in the safety of their own home um, with a laptop. And they're now pushing for themselves to be tested on a day-to-day -day basis. Meanwhile, we have essential workers who've been on the front line since literally the beginning of the pandemic in grocery stores and working in these areas to keep our nation afloat, and they haven't been afforded not one test. And I think that's negligent on the part of the people that we elect to actually serve us. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you want, if you want to see sheer stupidity, folks, uh, mm -hmm. this is one of the White House spokesmen today talking to Hallie Jackson on MSNBC. Six times she asked him when was the last time Donald Trump tested uh, negative for coronavirus. Uh, no answer. Watch this.
All right, let's talk about something else that um, I know that your uh, communications office wanted to get back to us on, which is when was the president's last negative test prior to his diagnosis? So we don't have that, but we're looking at this from a, a public health perspective in that when there's an indication of a positive test or symptoms uh, showing, then you go back the 48 hours, you do your contact tracing. It's about preventing further transmission of the disease, and that's why we'll be focused on these uh, diagnostics and the ways of measuring transmissibility, because that's really the public health reason for releasing such information. It's uh, to prevent further right. transmission of the disease. So that's where we're focused. Sure. And, to, and of course, to look at what potential exposures may have happened before the president's diagnosis. So on that last negative test, she says you don't you said you don't have that. You don't know or you don't want to say. So uh, we don't have that. There's well, I, I don't personally know. Right. And what there does is, that mean? Have you asked, Brian? Rules. I think Wednesday there's, you there's, said you're going to look into that. So. So, Hallie, the the president doesn't check all of his HIPAA rights at the door just when he becomes president. The doctors uh, obviously share fulsome information with the president. The president uh, shares a great deal of information with the American public. We have gone through numerous briefings with the doctors, half a dozen memos from the doctors, his daily vitals uh, we put out yesterday. We've had briefings with the chief after interacting with the president. We've had Kaylee come out and talk. I am now speaking with you about all the information we can share. Uh, but just because he's okay, president so. doesn't mean he shares every single detail of, of you know, his entire life. But we, we do share enough information, oh, okay, certainly, so. for public health purposes. Yeah. So is it it's a privacy thing, then, the reason why you're not saying the last negative test? HIPAA? So— so that that is one reason. Uh, the the fact of okay. the matter is, there's a reason to share certain information. It's to prevent further transmission of the virus. It's public health purposes, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, Law, Ebony, the fool kept on. No, no, we're not going to go backwards. We're going to go forwards. We're going. Y'all lying. Right. Y'all lying. Right. Right. I mean, this is just a cover up. And well, even Trump said in his own recordings with Bob Woodward. They try to downplay this virus. Um, and unfortunately, and I, and I do fully believe in the privacy and the right for individual people to have their medical records to themselves. I mean, not, not, a, not, not the president. But and, and here's the thing, not the president to a certain extent. When you decide that you want to dictate um, whether or not you're going to be passing this virus onto other people, that you're going to bring 700 people onto your lawn, um, where there's literally laws that state that we don't even want that many people to gather in one space at one time in general during this pandemic. But when you are known to be positive, when you are going against everything that the CDC has laid out as far as its, its guidelines of how to prevent spread of this virus, that's negligence. And there needs to be some checks and balances or some safeguard in American politics where we say that the leader of our nation cannot become a dictator doing whatever he feels like he wants to do on any given day. This is dangerous. But, Michael, but Michael, when you're the president, I'm sorry, all that goes out of the window. The reality is the health of the person sitting in the Oval Office, that is different. It is no different than you. Here's the deal. If you're a United States senator or you're a mm -hmm. member of Congress, uh, sorry, that privacy stuff goes out there. You are a public official. Well, well not only that, Roland, but... If we go back to 2016, it was Donald Trump who said that Hillary Clinton was not physically fit, physically able to do the job as president. When, when we look at this here, you know, um, the, uh, a couple of days ago, Donald Trump said 
Uh, now, this may not be the most politically correct thing to say, and I know we have Dr. Ebony Hilton here, who's a doctor. She may disagree with me. But um, he said that coronavirus, he thinks him getting coronavirus was a gift from God. And No, no, you know, no. Hold on. He also said... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I might be immune to it. You don't. You never know. But, How but hold the hell on, are you, on, you on, immune Roland. to something you got? Hold on, Roland. Hold on. Now, this is one of the few times I agree with Trump. I think it is a gift from God that he got coronavirus, but not a gift to him. I think it may be a gift to us. Okay, the reason why, we don't wish harm on him, but let's look at this. You ABCnews.com reported a couple of days ago that 34 people around... Uh, either at the White House, uh, Kelly McEnany, uh, people like that, White House press secretary, or people with the Trump campaign, like uh, Chris Christie, former Governor Chris Christie, mm -hmm. have caught coronavirus. Now, if you can't protect people that work at the White House, I'm not talking about the cooks and, you know, the, the butlers and things like that. But if you can't protect people like that at the White House, how are you going to protect 330 million people? So what this is doing is showing how he is falling down on the job, how he is derelict in his duties. Now, we don't wish harm on anybody, but a lot of people think this is karma coming back on him. Yeah, I, I was Hey, say, hey I was Rob, first of all, let me real clear. I, I don't wish harm on anybody. I right. don't have any sympathy for stuck-on-stupid people. <laughs> I have, I have zero. I, I mean, that's exactly where I was right. going. You just you, you took right. the words out of my mouth. I'll say this. What the medical journals endorsement shows is that those who follow science, those who follow mm -hmm. data, and those who have a little bit, an ounce, a mustard seed, whatever you want to call it, of common sense for their life, for their respect, mm -hmm. for the nation, are not going to follow this man. I mean, and, and so anybody that is even entertained this, anybody that's talking about a third party, anybody that's unsure, who, who the hell are these unknown, uh, unsure voters? Like, what are you, what's moving your decision at this point? So I don't think there's many of those voters left. We need to make sure people get out there, vote, because this is, this is your life. And this is also really the future of the whole nation, because this man, he's trying to, he's actually talking right now, trying to put... Obama and Biden and people in jail for nothing. He wants to be a dictator. This is not a joke. This is not practice. Everybody needs to go out there and make sure you vote, get your friends to vote. This is not a normal election. People say that all the time. Right. But we've had Trump. The test is over. People know what he, what he exactly what he's about. He's a racist. He's crazy. He happens to have the unique combination of being both incompetent and corrupt. We got those things mm -hmm. don't mix at all. We need to get them out. When you when you are unwilling to answer basic questions, when you're unwilling to say, Ebony, um, this is the last time he tested negative. Here's the whole deal. In fact, when he was on Sean, Han hell, Sean Hannity last night asked the fool several <laughs> times, and his ass wouldn't answer the question. Here's the deal: when you won't answer the question, that means your ass still got it. <laughs> right. And what we know is that you can test for positive for COVID-19 far past the time that you're actually infected. And that's going to be really confusing for certain people. But we know your body is still shedding viral particles. Now, what we don't know is just how much virus you have to shed before you can actually pass that on seriously to someone else. There's, no, there's not been a, a large enough study to see what threshold is safe. And so, therefore, we say we need to base your isolation, your quarantine, on certain subset of, of trusted norms, of which he is not out of that range of time to be isolated tomorrow for him to be having any type of 700 people come anywhere close to him. And so I would urge everyone 
who is thinking about attending this event to not do it. What we see is that, like we said, Chris Christie is positive. Mm. He admitted himself to the hospital, of which that doesn't happen. Um, someone admitted him to the hospital. And I don't know about you guys, but I haven't heard an update on his status. Oh, he, no, he, uh, he, he's still he's in the hospital. Still in the hospital. He's yep. still, he, right. When right. in Saturday, he's still in. Right, and mm -hmm. what? But my question is, what is your status? Right, well, right. They 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 released no status. But here's the yes. other deal. Here's the other deal. After the debate, Pence and his wife canceled their travel to Indiana. Uh, mm -hmm. We heard no status there as well. We do have a status of this here. Remember, the debate commission announced uh, that they would have a virtual debate uh, on uh, October 15th. Uh, Trump right. said, "Absolutely not. Uh, that's a waste of my time." But he spent two hours on the phone today cussing with Rush Limbaugh. Uh, that's the same thing, fool, being on the phone and then doing virtual. Uh, but, the, but so the debate commission has now has now announced there will be no debate on October 15th as a result right. of Trump's stance. And we also know uh, that uh, on that day, Joe Biden's going to be doing a town hall uh, with ABC News. Speaking of COVID-19 tests, South Carolina, there was supposed to be a debate tonight, Ebony, between Sarah Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison. Harrison said, yo, we ain't debating unless your ass take a COVID test. And then uh, Lindsey Graham decided uh, to, to drop a letter. Uh, I love this. I, I'm, I'm trying to pull this up. Uh, this letter that he dropped uh, from a doctor. Uh, he was like, I'm not going to take medical advice from my opponent. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, uh, Jamie Harrison basically said, I ain't debating you unless your ass take a damn test. And uh, he said, you've been around all the rest of them people. Uh, and so I ain't doing it. So here's the letter. He, he, oh, let me pull this up. Here's a letter that Lindsey Graham produced. Um, uh, I have reviewed the circumstances associated with your Judiciary Committee hearing of October 1st and possible exposure to a person with coronavirus based on the present Centers for Disease Control criteria to establish risk of coronavirus transmission. You do not meet the criteria for, quote, close contact requiring isolation or quarantine. You do not require coronavirus testing. You should remain attentive to CDC social distance guidelines for reducing risk of coronavirus disease in your daily life and contact a physician should you notice the development of fever or any of the typical signs of coronavirus infection. Uh, Brian P. Moynihan, MD. He's a professor of medicine and pathology uh, in uh, D.C. He, he's, he's attending physician for the United States Congress. He, here's the problem with this, Ebony. Mm -hmm. Dude, just take a test. Right. Just take a test. It's one of those things where didn't Trump say the same thing when he when he tried to do the um, honor system of saying that he wasn't positive when he was on the stage with Joe Biden fully positive? Wait, 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 Kaylee McEnany. She did she did briefings with reporters for three consecutive days, no mask, and giving them I tested negative, mm -hmm. I tested negative, I tested negative. They came out, uh, I'm positive. Right, mm -hmm. right. And it's one of these things, honestly, where. Even with Trump, I think the reason why he's not saying when the last negative test was, because he was not testing as he was supposed to be testing. There you go. And, and one of the things that I've tried to start tweeting about to um, to whoever will he hear it is that what we need to do is subpoena the CEO of Regeneron, which is the um, the company that had the um, the experimental monoclonal antibody cocktail that that Trump took in the White House. Go ahead and subpoena that CEO and ask him, when was the first dose of Regeneron actually given? Because if he started receiving that, that medicine um, before the debate, then he knew he was positive. There you go. The debate, and he got on stage 
with our future president, you know, Pence, intentionally knowing that he could potentially infect him. And I feel like that should be investigated. So whoever wants to take that and run with it, don't have fun. Well, that's what's going on there. So, look, we're just we're dealing with stuck on stupid people here. Uh, bottom line, folks, is uh, every time Donald Trump talks coronavirus, uh, I hope that's just one more point where his polling numbers drop. People are voting right now. Folks, vote. Mm -hmm. uh, polls don't mean nothing to vote. Uh, get this fool out because they have no, no, no plan whatsoever to actually deal with this. Uh, and when a fool stands in front of senior citizens and say, it's okay, I got it, but you're not going to get it, but you might get it, Y'all, the man is talking crazy. The steroids are speaking, or some other, or some other drug is speaking for him. Ebony Hilton, Dr. Ebony Hilton, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a good one. Uh, all right, folks. The families of Martin Luther King Jr. and Jackie Robinson demanded that Donald Trump's re-election campaign remove images of the late black icons from their new political ads. The ad is titled "Say What You Will About America." The video includes pictures of both King and Robinson. Bernice King, the daughter of Dr. King, took to Twitter and called the use of her father's image beyond insulting and not reflective of who Dr. King was. Jackie Robinson's daughter, Sharon Robinson, also tweeted that the Trump campaign does not line up. This is what she said. Jackie Robinson's family strongly objects to the use of Jackie Robinson's image in the Donald Trump, uh, uh, in, in Donald Trump, uh, the, the JR Foundation, the Trump campaign is in opposition to all that Jackie Robinson stood for and believed in, were insulted and demand that his image be removed. Um, bottom line here, uh, Michael, uh, this is, the Republicans always want to show uh, black Republicans, they say King was a Republican, uh, Jackie Robinson was a Republican. Here's what we do. We know for a fact that Jackie Robinson was a Republican. We, sure. don't, we don't know that with uh, uh, MLK, folks said his dad was, but it's all irrelevant because the bottom line is this here. This is the, when, if you got to go back to the 1960s to find you a black Republican, your ass mm -hmm. ain't doing it right. Well, there, there have been a number of uh, uh, fact checks on this. Think Progress had Think Pro, Pro, Think Progress Org had one a few years ago that talked about how um, Dr. King was not a Republican. And I've looked at information that talked about how Dr. King talked about voting for Democrats as well. But if you got to go back that far to the 50s and 60s to find uh, a black Republican that African Americans like, then your your party has a problem. Now I'm neither I'm neither Democrat nor Republican. People who listen to my show know this, but I'm also not stupid. I know whose policies are doing us the most harm as well. And it's usually at the national level, usually coming from Republicans. But this is this is more of just like uh, Trump came out with his platinum plan, which I call the fool's gold plan, his, his two page black agenda. OK, for African-Americans and it lacked specificity. It was ridiculous. And, and, and a lot of what he was proposing contradicts what he's been doing the past three and a half years. This is some more of that. He's hoping to just he's hoping to just shave off uh, enough African-Americans so that in these key battleground states, it can be very close and he can try to win this in the Supreme Court. And just as you covered uh, the story from Channel 4 out of the UK, and I covered it on my show, how in 2016, the Trump campaign identified 3.5 million African-Americans, labeled them as deterrents, and then flooded them with uh, disinformation on social media to discourage them from voting. 
Okay, so this is some more. Uh, this is some more propaganda. But I'm 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 happy that the uh, King family and the uh, Robinson family came out in opposition to this. But I wonder what um, Dr. King's niece, Alveda King, who is a staunch Donald Trump supporter, I wonder what she had to say. Or I don't know. Did they get? Did he get permission from her to do this? Or mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or or how about how about or Dr. Carter? How about loud and wrong Angela Stanton? Uh, uh, same thing. Got, uh, anything she got to say? I doubt it. Uh, well, I mean, and we should because, I mean, Angela Stanton has not done herself a good service and they should retire her as a spokesman for this nonsense party. But I will say this. I mean, when people say uh, and, and mobilize these images, acting like they don't talk about Colin Kaepernick and calling the movement for Black Lives Matter uh, uh, terrorist groups, it's laughable mm-hmm. because we know very well if Jackie Robinson or Martin Luther King were alive today, they would say the same things about those men. So it's funny that they want to deploy them as some sort of testament to their openness when we know they have done everything they can uh, to make black people feel unwelcome through policy and otherwise. And certainly um, we know this is shading the truth because people act like partisan realignment never happened. The Republicans right. of today are not the Republicans of yesteryear. So acting like mm-hmm. the Dixie Crack revolution didn't happen in 48, acting like those people didn't get absorbed in the Republican Party and that the Southern strategy that the Republican Party deployed throughout the 1960s. And when Nixon said we just going to leave the blacks and the Jews behind and let the Democrats have them, right? Because we're not going to pick those voters up. Don't act like that didn't happen. And I think it's this same disingenuousness that we often have. And I think it's because they know most people don't understand anything about history. But people do understand the reality of the world they live in. And if they think marshalling up some images of Martin Luther King or Jackie Robinson are going to be enough, um, I think they're mistaken. But Michael is correct that it can do just enough for the people on the margin. And that's the really scary part. Uh, Rob, and, and Rob, Rob, oh, Rob, 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 what's was interesting here is that, again, uh, when, you, when you look at the games being played here, uh, bottom line is you got different people who are weighing in, but you're using the images, and it's not like your policies line up with where they stand. See, that's the other right. thing as well. And that's what Bernice King uh, was actually saying uh, in her particular, when she said that... Uh, the image should not be used because his ways strongly misaligned with his visions and values. That's what she said. Go ahead, Rob. Correct. Correct. And that's absolutely true. I will say this, like conservatives, particularly in the last 30 or 40 years, love to point to black exceptionalism as if, of course, everything's right in America. You know, Bill Cosby made it in 1940. Like uh, Jackie Robinson, like they made it in spite of the obstacles, not because of America. And so, I mean, that's important, too. I mean, the Republican Party, which is who we're talking about, and Dr. And, you know, Dr. Carter already said the realignment. They try to act like we don't know history. A lot of people don't. This is why we need to have this show. But let right. me tell you, uh, Reagan, Reagan, it, 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 when, when Martin Luther King Day came up, uh, lots of Republicans were against it, including Reagan. And we know he said bad things mm-hmm. about, my, actually, Dr. Martin Luther King and many other black people. But then he said specifically that he's not even sure if he was an American. He might be, he might have been a traitor. This country spied on Dr. Martin Luther King and did the same tactics Donald Trump is using now to go after protesters. They spied on Dr. Martin Luther King most of his, most of his entire time while he was trying to improve civil rights and make this nation better. The things that they are praising now, they hated him for. They don't stand for Black Lives Matter. They don't stand for equality. They want to find and use his words out of context 
to, to, to make themselves feel better about who they are and who America is. That's not who Dr. Martin Luther King was. They don't they don't they don't quote from uh, they don't quote from Dr. King in 1968. They don't quote from Dr. King when he's really talking about how America needs to improve, how America is not living up to his ideals. I can guarantee you this: if Dr. King was here with us today, he would be. Mm -hmm. He would be one of the main critics going after this president, going after his policies, and he would he was he would find him to be a moral failure. I have no doubt about it. All right, folks, a video showing a black male jogging in Boston being stopped by the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has emerged and sparked outrage for the city's mayor and lawmakers. Y'all, watch this. We're all set. Yeah. I just want. Are we all set? Oh, we're all set. We're all set. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, we're all yeah. set, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, just want to make sure. Thank you. Enjoy your ride. Thank you. Do you have any? Uh, huh? Quick. Do you have any tattoos in your left or right arm? Just so we can confirm. And we'll be out of here. For me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want? Am I free to go? Do I have to show you? If I'm free to go, then I'm not showing you anything. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Man, you see the feds try to stop me. Ice tried to stop me in my own neighborhood, bro. Yo, what? This shit is crazy. <laughs> hey, record this just in case. Record this in case, bro, for real. <laughs> so the video is only a short clip of uh, Bina uh, Prella. The 29-year-old man was jogging in West Roxbury, Massachusetts, when he was stopped by ICE. Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, City Council Member Matt O'Malley, and Congresswoman Ayanna Presley expressed outrage at ICE racially profiling a member of the public. An immediate investigation has been called to look further into the incident. Why? I mean, first of all, what? So, I guess ICE like, yo, Dr. Gar yo, Naomi, yo, hey, we stopping any damn body. And show me your tattoos. Man, take your punk ass on. But you know what this really highlights, I think, Roland, is how insecure we are in our own country. And most of the time, none of us have anything on our person that could actually prove our status. So if they were to take him and, and hold him, they could have done that that day. And there would have been nothing that he had on his person in that moment to prove that he was not an un undocumented person or the person that they claimed they were looking for, which is some Haitian, right? And just because he's black and out running, because I'm sure that's what... Uh, Haitian absconders from justice right now doing is running around Boston. But, you know, this nonsense that happens all the time, and it was, I'm sure, this, you matched the description, that's what every black person, every black man in particular hears on a regular basis. You, you meet the description. What's the description? Black and male. That's it. I am thankful that this man was able to go home to his family, that he was able to, to have a, a, a moment where he could walk away and not have to be detained and not have to potentially be shot in the back or any of these other things, because this is real and this is dangerous. And I tell people all the time, many of the times when we are walking around, moving about the world, we assume that we have things on our person that can prove we are citizen. Your license won't do it. Your social security card won't do it. Unless you have a passport or a birth certificate or something like that on you, there's nothing to prove that you aren't a citizen, that you are a citizen, and nothing to stop deputized police officers that in some places they've made quasi-immigration officials or ICE agents who are jumping out on people from detaining you. And that is the really scary fact. Bob I here, uh, Michael, is uh, these people have been emboldened by Donald Trump. Fire Donald Trump in November, ICE has to stand down. That's why he has unleashed ICE on America and let, mm -hmm. let them do whatever the hell they want to do. Uh, absolutely, Roland. And, you know, what I want to... Well, first of all, um, 
The Congressional Black Caucus has been speaking out, and I saw a press conference a few months ago that a few members of the Congressional Black Caucus had. Um, I think it was at the southern border, if I remember correctly. I know you covered it also. But um, when it comes to um, black undocumented immigrants or even black immigrants, period, who are here legally, they are the first ones to be deported, even if they're here legally. Okay, they're the first ones to be deported, and very few people actually speak up for them. Uh, so, you know, this could have easily gone the wrong direction. It's, this could have easily gone the wrong way. But I want to know what ICE is doing to crack down on white undocumented immigrants, because it's very easy for white undocumented immigrants to um, to intermix with um, other white people. And there are a lot of white undocumented immigrants, but that's not talked about. So I want to I want to see videos of ICE pursuing white undocumented immigrants to see how they handle that also. Uh, that ain't gonna happen, Rob. No, 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 not gonna happen. And it, 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 you will not find that tape. I will, I will make 100%, 1,000% guarantee you won't. Uh, but, you know, I remember when Trump first started early off in his, in, in his administration, uh, there were some black people that were okay with this tough crackdown, and even some uh, second-generation uh, Latino immigrants that were okay with this. They were like, well, we need to be legal and all this stuff, but listen, they, they're going to come after you. It doesn't stop with immigrant. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going to black. It's going it, So when you see injustice against a group, you know it's going to come against you, particularly if you're a person of color. So we have to make sure that anywhere we see injustice, as Dr. Martin Luther King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That's what he means. It metastasizes. It will always grow. And it's always going to come to black people. So we should never be for it, whether it's, whether it's going after Muslims, whether it's going after women. Mm-hmm. It will always come back to us anyway, period. And also, let's be clear, undocumented black immigrants live in black communities with native-born yep. black people. And the reason yes. they're picked up more often is because our community are hyper-policed. So this is mm-hmm. also a black American native-born problem, right? These yep. kinds of things happening. It's not just about undocumented black citizens. Because they didn't stop that man because they thought he was undocumented. They stopped him because he was black. Folks, 24 right. days, 24 days until election day. First of all, people are already voting across the country. Uh, please double-check your uh, registration. Go to vote.org uh, to do so. Uh, again, we have emails from folks who talked about uh, after listening listen to this show, realizing that they have been purged. And so we want you to go to vote.org or IWillVote.com to check your registration. Uh, the voter registration deadline today is the last day for North Carolina. We're going to show you those uh, those upcoming dates as well. Guys, get that graphic ready. Again, today is Idaho, New York State, North Carolina, Oklahoma. The 10th is Delaware. The 13th is Washington, D.C., Kansas, Maryland, Minnesota, New Jersey, Oregon, Virginia, Wisconsin, West Virginia. Uh, October 14th is Wisconsin. October 16th is Nebraska. Uh, and so that's in the coming weeks. So please, we want you to double-check your registration. Uh, Joe Biden campaign released a new ad with Samuel L. Jackson on voter suppression. Check this out. Voter suppression has taken many forms. People have been denied the right to vote for well nigh 80 years. First, they used the poll tax to keep black folks from voting. Then, it was the literacy test, racial terrorism, and violence. I don't want everybody to vote. New day, same old dirty tricks. There are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting. Calls for investigations after claims of voter suppression. President Trump sabotaging efforts to vote by mail. If your vote didn't matter, they wouldn't try so hard to take it from you. Vote early. 
Vote like your life depends on it. I'm exercising my right to vote, and you should too. Not because I want you to, but because he doesn't. Vote, damn it, vote! <laughs> now, 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 you also want to understand why it's important to vote when it comes to the state elections. This is the Senate president in Kansas, Susan Wagle. This is her describing gerrymandering and how they draw districts. She said this publicly, y'all. Listen. My Senate seat uh, that Renee Erickson is running in right now, uh, it is pro-Biden. It's moved to the left. And during redistricting, I need to give her some more Republican neighborhoods in order to make sure she stays elected. So redistricting is right around the corner. And if Governor Kelly can veto a Republican bill that gives us four Republican congressmen that takes out Sharice Davis up in the third, we can do that. I guarantee you, we can draw four Republican congressional maps. But we can't do it unless we have a two-thirds majority in the Senate and House. My Senate seat... And that uh, right that there. That, right, come on, come on. Right Dr. Carter, that precisely right there. That's why I keep telling people you can't ignore the state elections as well. In Texas, Democrats are nine seats away from assuming control of the Texas House for the first time in a couple of decades. That now means Republicans cannot control the process. You heard what she said. If we have a two-thirds majority, we can do what the hell we want and not listen to anything the Democrats say. Exactly. And this is going to control outcomes for at least a decade because that's when we do redistricting. This is why the census is so important and why your president currently wants to close down the census early because they don't mm -hmm. want everyone counted. And they do want to make sure that these states are allowed to control electoral districts because they're losing ground. And they know, though, if they can control the districts, they can run the table because if you own that state legislature, you can really control what happens up ballot as well. And I think this is why, um, you know, our, our hyper focus on presidential elections has really dulled people to the importance of statewide elections. Statewide elections are essential. And this is why the Republicans have been so successful for so long, because they're losing a share of the population, but their control doesn't suggest it, because they control most of the state legislatures in this country, because they understood the power of electoral maps and state control very well. And with controlling a few down-ballot races, they were able to influence what happens in our federal federal legislature and in the presidency. And that's... So, go ahead, go ahead. Yep. Extremely important, right, for people to pay attention to what's happening in their home state and to fill out the census as well. I know people see the crawl, but it's very important to fill out that census because people want to control your life for at least another decade. And Rob, this is what people have to understand, that every uh, position does count, and so you cannot leave the top of the ticket blank, like, like which mm -hmm. happened in uh, in Michigan. I'm going to speak to uh, Michael about that. In 2016, 90,000 yes. people left the top blank. That yes. was the difference. Trump won Michigan by 11,000. But again, the who controls the state legislatures? Democrats completely forgot that when Obama got elected in 2008, they did not turn out in the 2010 midterm elections. Yep. 16 state legislatures flipped, mm -hmm. and that was when the voter suppression bill started coming. That's exactly what happened. And, you know, in Ohio, you know, I, as you know, I, I ran for state office, got over 2 million votes. Uh, but, you know, still, they, they purged in Ohio, starting after that time, about a million people from the polls.
makes a big difference. Only lost by a few hundred thousand votes. Uh, so it's and, and, and to and to Dr. Carter's point, right now, not only are we have, do we have state legislators drawing these lines, we also have state supreme courts. I can tell you, uh, Judge Bruner and Judge O'Connor. Uh, uh, on the Democratic side, at least because they can't be Democrats, but they, if they're, if, if they get elected, then they can get the majority in the in the in the Supreme Court in Ohio, and they are determining a law that was passed for redistricting. So they get to determine how that actually goes, and if it's if, if they're following, if they're interpreting the law according to how voters passed it. So all these things matter. It matters in Ohio. It matters wherever you are. Make sure you know the judges that are up Got statewide it. and local, and make sure you know the the, the 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 state positions, your state reps, all of them. Vote up and down the ballot. Every single one of those votes, they do matter. Michael, about 30 Absolutely. seconds for you to respond before we got to head to a break and then a simulcast with Sirius XM Radio. Go. Well, 2016, Roland, Donald Trump won Michigan by 10,704 votes. I warned our people. I was doing your show, uh, nationally syndicated radio show, I guess hosting that, doing radio here in Detroit on 9, 10 a.m. I warned our people about Trump. Everybody seen what I was talking about. But very quickly, in that video, that commercial from uh, Joe Biden campaign, the white man with glasses who's telling, who's saying uh, we really don't want people to vote, that's Paul Weyrich. Paul Rayrick was a co-founder of ALEC, American Legislative yep. Exchange Council in 1973. People research ALEC. These people are fighting for raw, naked power. And we, the, the main thing, one of the main things we have to do is read the U.S. Constitution. Because if we read the Constitution, then we will understand how all this comes together. And the Constitution created the census, which was, which was first taken in 1790. So once you read the U.S. Constitution, which is the supreme, all the supreme law of the land, along with treaties, then you start understanding how all these pieces come together, and we can understand how to disarm them of this weapon and use it against them, because I teach a whole principle called political self-defense. But we don't understand how these pieces come together. Well, but you also, you left out uh, one thing. He did not just form ALEC. He also mm -hmm. was a co-founder of the Heritage Foundation. Heritage Foundation and the Heritage Foundation and the Federal Society are submitting these unqualified, ultra-conservative uh, 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 federal judge nominees to Donald Trump. And just so people understand, in about September 9th, 2020, Trump released a list of 20 uh, potential yep. uh, U.S. Supreme Court nominees, and Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron was one of those names on that list. Of course he is. You better don't, 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 get, don't get this twisted. They're fighting for raw, naked power. And they we control need to do the, the same thing. For the next next 30, 40 years while we're focused on the basketball court. And that's why everybody keeps, that's why everybody keeps talking, Rob, about uh, demanding that Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris answer about packing the courts. Well, the reality is this here. They did that in Arizona. They actually added seats to the Arizona State Supreme Court. Uh, they tried to strip power from the Democrat from the State Supreme Court in North Carolina when they took control of that particular court. And when the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court ruled against them in gerrymandering, what did they do? They mm -hmm. also tried to strip their power. That's yep. what we're dealing with. Uh, Rob, real quick uh, before uh, we go to a break. Oh, I would just say Democrats need to learn a lesson from their opponents. So they need to be aggressive for the short term. I think they should look at packing the court. I think they should make D.C. a state. Be aggressive. Get rid of the filibuster. Mm -hmm. First of all, get rid of the filibuster. Be aggressive. Don't don't worry about what Republicans are going to do. We know what they're going to do. They're going to take power. Learn from them yep. and actually represent the people that you say you represent. So when we win, we better use the power. That's all I have to say. Rob, Dr. Carter, I certainly appreciate both of y'all joining me. Uh, thank you so very much, folks. we got to go to a break. We come back. Our... Simulcast with Sirius XM Radio. That is next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You know this better than anybody else. Those who will speak our mind, we're going to be criticized. 
we're gonna be attacked, but that really doesn't bother us. I mean, we've been through this, and we're gonna continue to go through it. And I'm just pleased that we've been able to send a signal to young people that we care about these issues so very much. We're not gonna play politics with them. We're not going to try and hide whomever we are behind the kind of language that they don't understand. And so because of that, this authenticity that you're talking about is helping us to realize a whole new era and a whole new time of possibilities for young people to participate. Hello, everyone. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching... Roland Martin Unfiltered, and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. Hey, folks. All right, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, we're about to go live with uh, Dean Obadella. His show um, is already in progress on Sirius XM Radio. Folks, can y'all hear me? Guys, do we have... Uh, are we connected with him? Y'all are supposed to be connected with them right now. So uh, let's do this here. We're going to fire. All right. Are we there? We there? Not yet. No. This is Matt. Um, I'm going to plunk him down. Hang on. But are we having that locked in, Matt? All right, my friend. Let me look him in here right now. Excellent. And right now, very happy to welcome All right, y'all. I can't hear Dean, so uh, his audio is out. Digital show. Thank you. Analyst for Tom Joyner Morning Show and more. Roland, how are you, my friend? Welcome hey, back. Hey, Dean, what's going on? How you doing? Doing pretty good. You see, officially the second debate was just canceled. I thought it was canceled when Trump goes, I'm not going. I mean, but I guess it had not been, I guess behind the scenes they were talking. But just minutes ago, right. it is confirmed that October 15th is off. I, I'm going to miss the town hall setting. I hope with the last debate, October 22nd, they move to the town hall setting. That's much better. Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons why Donald Trump probably wanted to cancel this second debate, why he objected to even it being a virtual debate, because he has done so poorly uh, when he is in front of regular, ordinary Americans. He doesn't give a damn about these folks. Uh, you think back to the town hall that was on ABC, uh, when the woman said that her mom died of breast cancer, this fool kept saying she died of COVID. Uh, and so that's what you're dealing with. Uh, we're dealing with an arrogant, narcissistic, uh, um, just impe impetuous. He's just, I mean, th this is pure evil that is sitting in the Oval Office. And I think people cannot play games with this to understand how absolutely unhinged this man is and how he has destroyed significant norms in this country. You know what, Roland, I so appreciate that you said that, that, that he's evil and that in the bigger picture that the media's got to stop playing these games where some have gotten really good. Don't get me wrong. In the beginning, we were all screaming, call, call him a liar. He's lying to us. But even like the hesitancy to use the term white supremacist, they'll use like racially tinged and that he's playing on white grievances. No, he's a white supremacist giving white supremacist garbage to people who he thinks are going to like that. That's what it is. But, but, I don't know the timidity of our media in the time of Trump has been stunning to watch that. Well, but I, but I think you got to... Dean, I think I gotta, you got to realize something here, okay? And this is, this is hard for people to have to confront. Mostly white people control media. So what you have is the individuals who are determining what our news is, the individuals who are determining uh, everything about uh, our news, the people who are deciding what the focus is going to be, what can and cannot be said, are largely white men. 
Take your pick. Cable, broadcasts, newspapers, magazines, radios, all right? I'm just being perfectly honest. You look at all of these different companies. You look at their boards of directors. You look at who's controlling it, who are the people who are running it. I don't care what it is. And there's no disrespect. I know we're on Sirius XM, but look at the leadership of Sirius XM. Who controls the levers of power? Who is determining what these things are? I'm saying this is because as a vice president digital for the National Association of Black Journalists, you cannot expect media to report on everybody else when media won't even look at themselves. There are individuals who are white supremacists who are in media. And so you have folks who would not call it what it is. I have consistently said that America should have listened to black people when Donald Trump ran for office. Why? Because black people saw what everybody else didn't see. That's why I use the hashtag, we tried to tell you. And so every time people go, oh my God, we never knew it was going to be this bad. Black folks are like, uh, we did. We tried to tell you. Uh, uh, right. uh, uh, I saw one of the former Clinton people who tweeted, who said, I think, what, Felipe Reigns, whatever that. He said something like, uh, no one yeah. with a straight face could admit they saw this coming. We were like, yeah, fool, we did. And so that's what, you, and this is what, this is what you're dealing with in this country right now. And so remember, early on, all these media people, no, we can't call him a liar because in order for us to use the word lie, we have to understand that that is the intent by what he is saying, so therefore, what can't we use? Right. I was like, he damn that, he lying. Yeah. That's why I, I, used, I was using the hashtag, <laughs> Trump lies matter. He lying. I, I agree, and I will tell you this, the Muslim community, and a third of our community is black, so it intersects. We knew how bad it was. The guy wanted to ban all Muslims from the country, and he announced it in 2015, and the crowd went crazy, and he said, Islam hates us, and he said, Muslims like me, we know where the terrorists are, we're just not telling people, we're like, what? So we knew he was bad, too, but I think the black community overall was warning all of us, this is going to be bad, yeah. and it's been horrible. The, you know, the other thing is, too, and I have to say the media has been more, much more critical of Trump in this election cycle in 2016, which was just a ratings bonanza for them. No, and no, 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 Dean, no, Dean, they've only been critical when it looks like he's going to lose. But he, but the, he has been good for their ratings, so that's what I wonder, though. I, I agree. I, if it was closer and neck and neck, and I really think the media is going to try to bring the race a little tighter in the next few weeks. They want the horse race. They don't want a 10-point gap. They don't want people going to sleep on this. But I wonder what they're going to do when Trump is gone. And cable news was struggling horribly with ratings overall. I don't give a damn. Trump. I don't and give a damn. What happens? I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. Put a bunch of dancing-ass dogs and cats on air. I don't care. The reality is this here. This, this man is pure evil. The, the policies of this man are not good for this country. And so what we are seeing is a destroying of the norms in America. That's what we are seeing. Guys, switch the shot. You're taking too long. Sorry, Dean. Uh, we're live on there as well. So I'm like, come on. We got to move. Go ahead. You do whatever you... Roland hosts, directs, produces, everything. Yeah, I'm sorry. You sure I'm like, your so photo's crazy. there. We got to move. I mean, come on. We gotta, I'm, I'm, look, the bottom line is, hey, Bob, you got to be on your P's and Q's. We got to keep it going. <laughs> I'm with you. So, so Roland, when, when you, know, you talk about Donald Trump being evil, I've never seen a man so lack of compassion or empathy, not just for other people, but for life. 
for life in that we have 212,000 dead Americans, and he's going to have a rally in Florida, he announced a short time ago, on Monday, even though he has not tested negative. We just learned Minnesota, at least nine people got sick from his last rally there. Two are in the hospital. And I was giving people poll numbers. A poll, only 26% of Americans think him doing rallies during the pandemic now is appropriate. He doesn't care. This is for his ego. This is not for, for poll numbers. These polls are not going to go up from this. People are going to be like, you're more erratic and more irresponsible. This is the most, I guess evil is the right word, the most sociopathic person I've ever seen, the most selfish, cruel person I've ever seen in my life, because I've never dealt with serial killers. That's the only people might be worse. I haven't dealt with them. But, but the reality is yeah, America has seen Donald Trump before. We've seen numerous white men like Donald Trump. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was one of the most violent racists ever to serve in the White House. He was the one who showed birth of a nation in the White House. He reintroduced segregation in the federal government. Herbert Hoover was a, lily, was, a, was a leader of the Lily White faction of the Republican Party. I mean, we can go on and on and on. So, see, I, I, think, I think one of the things that, that we have to do is we have to recognize, recognize exactly uh, what is going on here. We have had white supremacists sitting in the Oval Office before. We have had uh, individuals sure. who are doing that. Donald Trump is simply in the long line, but the problem is we've gotten accustomed uh, to folks uh, saying all the right things. Donald Trump says out loud what people used to say privately, and that's why he has his hardcore white constituency that is more than happy uh, to hear him uh, say that. That's what we're dealing with, and so that's what, we're de- and that's what you're seeing. And what's your reaction to what we learned yesterday? I know you covered it on your show with Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, who was targeted by white supremacist-tied militia. Trump does not denounce the militia group, of course. goes on Sean Hannity and attacks Gretchen Whitmer again by name. And if these guys were Black Lives Matter, if they were Muslims, they were Antifa, Trump would be talking about it all day. But since they're likely Trump supporters, not Biden supporters, this liberating the state that he wanted liberated... Uh, he just attacks Whitmer. Nothing about the militia. Well, you got to understand, he can't attack the militia because the militia are his voters. They're white men. White men are the base of the Republican Party. That's what you're dealing with. That's why he said it's five people on both sides. That's why during the 2016 campaign, he did not want to uh, condemn, I don't know who David Duke is. What the hell are you talking about? Donald Trump, no, you, everybody, everybody forgets, he descended down those escalators saying uh, uh, Mexicans are rapists. Donald Trump began the campaign pushing the buttons of race, pushing the buttons of aggrieved whites. Look, I have been saying this since 2009. We are living in the world of white minority resistance. White minority resistance. That's the world that we're living in. So what does that mean? In 2009, there was a poll taken. The question was asked, are you optimistic about the future of America for your children? Black people, Hispanics, uh, Native Americans, Asians, all, more than the majority said yes. One group said was under majority, white Americans. September Hmm. 2016, the question was asked, are you optimistic about the future of America economically for the next 10 years? Black people, Lowest wealth in America, highest optimism. Latinos, second lowest wealth, second highest optimism. Asians, number three, third highest optimism. One group, 41% said they were optimistic. White Americans, 
What does that tell you? You got to go deeper than mustard on a hot dog. And the deal is this here. White Americans in significant numbers are scared to death of changing America. They are scared to death of 2043. They are scared to death of losing power. And let me explain power, Dean, because this is the people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Why do do white folks react so violently to Colin Kaepernick? Because if you're white in America, for the most part, I'm not saying all whites, people understand that, you have been raised, it's the flag. It's the national anthem. It's the Pledge of Allegiance. We're the greatest country in the world. God loves us. God adores us. God has shown favor on us. So therefore, any criticism of America, you can't stand. During World War II, the United States actually tried to shut down and, um, and try black newspapers for treason because they dared write about racism in the armed services. They said that black newspapers, the Chicago Defender, the Pittsburgh Courier, the uh, the Land Daily World, others, they were aiding and abetting the enemy by talking about racism. Racism that black soldiers were experiencing in the armed forces. America says, oh, well, you're black? Put all that aside, because when it comes to the war, we're all one. And so, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee. How dare you take a knee? What's wrong with you uh, taking a knee? And so, because they've been raised that way. So what's changing, Dean, is that we truly are moving for the first time to a real multicultural America, where American values are being redefined. American values have been defined by whiteness. American, American principles have been defined through the prism of whiteness. Now, all of a sudden, they have to think about what black people have to say, and Latinos, and Asians, and Muslims, and it's not just white Christian men. That is why Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are focused on on packing the courts. That's why, if you look at the numbers, Amy Coney Barrett, if she is confirmed, 48 years old, if she serves as long as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died at 87, means she will be on a Supreme Court for the next 39 years. That means that right now, Brett Kavanaugh is, uh, excuse me, Gorsuch is 53 years old. He'll be there 34 years. Kavanaugh is 55. He'll be there for what? 32 years. Alito is, excuse me, Roberts is 65. He'll be there 22 more years. Alito is 70. He'll be there 17 more years. Clarence Thomas is 72. He'll be there 15 more years. That's why they're picking largely white men between the ages of 35 and 45 for these district judge and appellate positions. Do you realize that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has long been considered the most liberal court in the country and they are on the verge of having a conservative majority? It is because they want to ensure that whiteness continues to dominate American society for the next 30 to 40 years because they know it's not going to happen at the ballot box. That is what's going on in America. I agree with you. I'm telling you, Roland Martin, host of Roland Martin's Unfiltered Daily Digital Show. So Roland, though, as this becomes more acute for white people, and they really get a sense they are going to be the minority, not theoretically, but literally. It's going to be, it's already happening in the younger generations. They see it. Is there a hope that the younger people who are growing up in a multicultural America already are at ease with it, at least partly at ease with it? Or is this just get more ugly and get more violent going forward? Because white supremacy, the history of white supremacy tells us 
They don't give up power uh, nicely. They use right. violence to stay in power. Right. So where are we going? Well, first of all, that one of the reasons you're seeing one of the reasons you're seeing this change right now uh, with in the aftermath of George Floyd's death is because you have young white folks who are aligning with African Americans and others, and so that's what's the scaring of corporate America. Corporate America ain't contributing. It's not sitting here talking about spending three, four, five billion dollars on social justice because black people are protesting. Hell, we were protesting when Obama was president. No, all of a sudden they saw white folks out there protesting. And when you have white folks aligning with black people, which was the exact same thing that happened in the late 1800s, when you saw free slaves aligning with poor whites who then begin to change states in the South, all of a sudden, Dr. King, if you go back and listen to his speech that he gave after the Selma to Montgomery march, he said in that speech, quoting a particular book, where the white folks got with the black folks and then began to change things, and the bourbon class said, oh, hell no, we can't have this. So they begin to use media. He literally says media to create a wedge between uh, black people, freed slaves, and poor white folks, and that's where Jim Crow uh, came into existence. What we have seen is the same thing. The Republican Party, the party of big, uh, big corporate interests, has always been able to convince broke-ass white people to vote with them against their own economic interests, and they're walking around trying to figure out, you know, who are we? I saw some fool literally tweet today by saying, oh, did neoliberal economic policies cause these white supremacists to be in this militia and they showed this poor, this broke-down house. Uh, I blasted this fool by saying, hell, if uh, being poor causes you to be, uh, to all of a sudden become radicalized, then black people uh, and Native Americans would have long had militias fighting America. It was based upon economics. And so what you're now seeing is you're seeing this baby boomer generation, that generation after them, and also those in Gen X, fighting because they're seeing how we are changing and developing. Look at the, the percentage of interracial marriages in this country. Look at what is happening in terms of where we're living. That's why Donald Trump is saying, hey, I'm going to keep all of the blacks and the Latinos out of the suburbs. He is yelling to suburban white men and women that I changed the policy, and he was aided by an ignorant fool in Dr. Ben Carson who went along with it as the, as the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. These are the strategies that that have been used to order to maintain white supremacy order. But the problem is this here. We don't like using the phrase white supremacy because we, oh no, that's just, that's just, that's, that, do you have to use that word? Yes, you have to call some things what they are. Because, see, America has said, no, white supremacist means a person with a Nazi, Nazi symbol or somebody with a, with a Klan robe. No, there are people who are white supremacists sitting in corporate America right now who are responsible for determining who gets houses. That's why when you saw the report of black people uh, who have uh, uh, houses appraised, uh, white appraiser comes out, appraises the house sixty dollars to $100,000 less, then all of a sudden it's going to get a second appraisal, then it goes up. Well, how's that racism, Roland? Easy. Because when you appraise a black person's house for $60,000 to $100,000 less, that means you have now impacted the economics of black America because you're keeping that money from them. That's how we got redlining in this country. That's why a home in Prince George's County, Maryland, could actually uh, sell for less than a comparable home in Montgomery County, Maryland, because Prince George's County, Maryland is largely black. Montgomery County is largely white. And so we have institutionalized racism. And then when you got 
that Stepford husband, Mike Pence, who sits under the base stage and say, Senator, I'm sorry, uh, I don't see what y'all see implicit bias. That's because you are a you are a uh, a clear, uh, uh, almost uh, damn the pink eye uh, white man who cannot understand the reality of race in this country, and so it is changing. But we simply are saying we ain't waiting like our ancestors did. We want freedom now. And Roland, do you think it? What does it mean to you? Is it optimistic to you the fact that Trump has done the suburban thing? It's unreal. I mean, and Cory Booker's coming to your neighborhood, and I've had white women call here who live in the suburbs, going, "I hope Cory Booker comes to my neighborhood. I'm looking forward to that." That that it's not working this time. He's losing the suburban vote, which is also code for white people, to be blunt, in this scenario we're talking about. There are people of color in the suburbs, I'm not, of course. I'm not sure, Dane. Does it mean something to you? You have to wait till election day till it's over? I, I'm not, that really I, I, look, I, I need white folks to convince me of that. See, he, look, he, here's what I know. In America, whiteness has ruled supreme. Take you back to 2016. How many people said when the Access Hollywood tape, ain't no way in the world a woman is going to vote for Donald Trump. Yep, I remember that. 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump because they will choose their tax cuts over sexism. They will choose their tax cuts over race. And so that's what you're seeing right now. When you see folks like James Baker give an interview with The New Yorker and he says uh, he was just so offended by Trump, but I'm a Republican. And that means that even mm -hmm. though Donald Trump is there, we are in power. This, Dean, is about power. It's about folks who stay in control. And the reality is the Democratic Party is a far more multicultural party, has a much bigger tent than the Republican Party. The Republican Party is about appealing to base of whiteness. Now, I know there are people who are listening right now to you on Sirius XM, and there are people right now uh, who, uh, are, uh, who are saying, oh, I, I disagree with that, but the reality <clears throat> is, and you must accept it, that History is what it is. And then, of course, when the people say, yeah, but we elected Obama, I got to remind these same people, when Thurgood Marshall was chosen for the United States Supreme Court, it's not like racism in the criminal justice system somehow went away. When Doug Wilder was right. chosen as the governor of Virginia, it's not like races all of a sudden just dissipated in the state of Virginia. The Confederate flags did not come down. The Confederate monuments are still up. When Deval Patrick became the governor of Massachusetts, it's not like racism all of a sudden went away. A story was done a couple of months ago showing the top companies, the top public companies uh, in Massachusetts don't even have one black board member on their boards of directors. And so how did two terms of a black governor somehow change everything? See, we've gotten used to this whole notion being black. That, oh, if one black person, something happens, well, everything changes. That's why you got some white people in America who think that black people, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all got Michael Jordan. You got Oprah. You got Tiger. Aren't all the rest of y'all doing just as good? That's the mindset <coughs> that we have to actually change uh, in this country. And it's, it's, it's what you say about the GOP plays the white base. Right now, there are, in Congress, between the Senate and the House, there are two black Republicans, and one of them is leaving, Will Hurd, at the end of the year. There will likely be more QAnon supporters in the Republican caucus come the new year than black Republicans. The other one is Tim Scott in the Senate and Will Hurd in the House, and Will's leaving. So 
it's remarkable. So in the, in the last minute here, Roland, when you look at 2020 right now, you see the campaign Joe Biden is running. What's your reaction? Is he doing the right thing? Is he reaching out to the black community, communities of color? Is he building the coalition he needs to? Look at You look at the numbers. He is not at Obama levels in 2008 and 2012. He is doing better when it comes. He is pulling support from Trump when it comes to older white voters, when it comes to uh, college-educated whites as well. Trump is underperforming when it comes to whites without a college degree. But the reality is this here, and I've said, I've said this directly to the Biden campaign, uh, you have to leave no doubt. Uh, they need to be going even more aggressive after black men. Donald Trump, you see Donald Trump is running all of these Jack Brewer ads during NFL games because they're trying to target black men. Uh, Jared Kushner told, uh, they, they, look, they told me two years ago, they believe they can get upwards of 20% of the black male vote in the 2020 election. You also see, but see, the key is though is not I can get black votes if I can stop black folks from voting. It's the same thing. 2016, Donald Trump actually said repeatedly, he thanked black people for not voting. Voter suppression is there to keep us from voting. Republicans know if they can shrink the electorate, they stand a better chance of winning. If the electorate grows, they know they're toast. The Georgia Republican House leader said, if we do mail-in balloting for the whole state, then we get we lose all races. That's why they're fighting mail-in balloting. That's why Governor Greg Abbott wants to get rid of, does, was trying to prevent the drop boxes more than one in each county. Why? Because Democrats are nine seats right. away from taking control of the Texas House. That's what you're seeing, the same thing in Ohio. And so uh, people have to understand, every vote counts. And like, like the movie Remember the Titans, when my man said, Herman, leave no doubt, bury Trump, destroy Trump, beat him into submission to where they can't try to steal it. That is what has to happen to get rid of this malignant cancer that is destroying the soul of this nation. Amen. I agree with you 100%, Roland. It's got to be a huge victory, no doubt whatsoever. This man will cheat and do anything he has to, including calling on his militia people to rise in the streets. And if we defeat him clearly and soundly, America will see the truth. So, Roland, my friend, thank you very much. It's great chatting with you, and I, and I love your stuff on Twitter. I retweet you when I see it, and it's, I appreciate your time. Dean, I appreciate it, and also got a great chance for our, our, our viewers and listeners to hear you on your Sirius XM radio. So, great simulcast here. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Nice chatting right. with you, Roland. Not a problem. All right, folks. Uh, that was uh, Dean Obadella. Of course, he is with uh, Sirius XM Radio. Time for us to go to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk with the sister. She's running for the United States Senate in Tennessee. She upset the Chuck Schumer handpicked candidate. She only raised $8,200. How can she win the Senate seat in Tennessee? Can she have a second upset? That's next. Roller Martin Unfiltered. 53 million white women who voted for Trump in the last presidential election were yielding to those dark forces that are invisible, but are visible if we want to make them visible. And so our movement sought to make those forces visible so that we could see them and then we could dissolve them. We could fight back, we could resist, we could create an alternative vision of what we could become. Yo, what's up? This your boy Ice Cube. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
All right, folks, there are a number of anti-Trump ads. I love every single one of these ads. Ooh, Lord! Press play. Wearing a face mask, I won't be doing it. These Republicans followed Donald Trump's lead. They ignored the advice of scientists and doctors. They didn't wear masks, and they didn't socially distance. They contracted COVID-19. But what about the people you can't see? The over 120 Capitol Hill contractors and frontline workers and Capitol Police employees who have now tested positive. The waiters, the assistants, the people who make the food, who serve the food, the people who clean up, the people who didn't get a choice. They don't get airlifted to a hospital. They don't get experimental drugs that are not available to the rest of the country. They don't get their name and their face on TV. They just get sick. Donald Trump has made it clear he doesn't care about the risks to American workers. Your neighbor, your co-worker, that's who you're protecting having this mask on. Joe Biden cares. He cares about this country and about every person in it. This is important. And I I want to add, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. It is asking too much of the people. It is asking too much of the people. Well, Susan, uh, thank you. Although I would like to go back. I I think we need uh, to move on. Well, thank you. But I would like to go back. In 1864. I'd like you to answer the question. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. We Thank still you, learn President from it, and I, I think Vice the American President people, I want to see again, can be Vice proud President Pence, I'm sorry, of what we have done. She has... 15 she, seconds, because well, I gotta we're have trying more to keep... That. Look, well, you, I'm sorry, Vice President look, Pence, you've I, had more time than look, she's look, had. The truth and the fact is, Joe Biden has been very clear. He will not raise taxes on anybody who makes less than $400,000 a year. He said he's going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Uh, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, <laughs> I'm speaking. If you don't mind letting me finish... We can then have a conversation, okay? Please. Okay. You are aware of certain kinds of protesters, but in Michigan, when protesters carry guns and Confederate flags and swastikas and call for the governor of Michigan to be beheaded and shot and lynched, somehow you're not aware of that. Somehow you didn't know about it, so you didn't send federal agents in to do to the president's supporters what you did to the president's protesters. So the point I'm trying to make here, Mr. Barr, that I think is very important for the country to understand is that there is a real discrepancy in how you react as the attorney general, the top cop in this country, when white men with swastikas storm a government building with guns, there is no need for the president to, quote, activate you because they're getting the president's personal agenda done. But when black people and people of color protest police brutality, systemic racism, and the president's very own lack of response to those critical issues, then you forcibly remove them with armed federal officers, pepper bombs, because they are considered terrorists by the president. You take an aggressive approach to Black Lives Matter protests, but not to right-wing extremists threatening to lynch a governor fits for the president's benefit. Did I get it right, Mr. Barr? Hi, perhaps you recognize me. It's your favorite president. I got back a day ago from Walter Reed Medical Center. I went in, I wasn't feeling so hot. 
And within a very short period of time, they gave me Regeneron. A short 24 hours later, I was feeling great. And that's what I want for everybody. If you're in the hospital and you're feeling really bad, Regeneron. We have hundreds of thousands of doses that are just about ready. You're going to get better. You're going to get better really fast. Regeneron. Because I feel great. I feel like perfect. I want to get for you what I got. Regeneron. And you'll see some amazing things happen. You're going to get better. You're going to get better fast, just like I did. Oh, my God. That is absolutely hilarious ad from the folks with Lincoln Project. I want to bring back Michael Imhotep, uh, who joins us, uh, and Joseph Williams with uh, U.S. News and World Report. Um, I want to talk about, though, that Representative Pramilia uh, Jayapal ad, Michael. Um, that, yes. that was First of all, the ad was from uh, the folks with um, Really American. But that was so strong and powerful because she's right. Bill Barr will not speak out against white supremacists. Only Christopher Wray, the FBI director. Bill, mm -hmm. Bill ba and so again, this just simply reinforces they are, the Trump folks are appealing to these angry white men, these white domestic terrorists. She nailed his ass to the wall. Absolutely. Uh, she nailed him, and I want to see more uh, ads like that because that gets straight to the point. And what that does is that ties into Christopher Ray. That ties in uh, FBI Director Christopher Ray. His testimony right around September 17th, 2020. Who and and he said that um, the uh, white domestic terrorists—they're the most lethal threat to America. But then also we see what happened here in Michigan. They've been talking about this all day on 910 AM, the Superstation and radio station. My show was on here uh, here in Detroit. Um, and then we see that. On top of all of this, because uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, Governor of Michigan, our governor, uh, she called out Donald Trump in a press conference yesterday, if I remember correctly, and really laid this at his feet. She's correct. Because I remember April 17th, 2020, when Donald Trump tweeted, liberate Michigan and encourage these white men to go to the state, state capitol. And they were armed with assault rifles, right? So uh, then he has the nerve to say that Governor Gretchen Whitmer did not thank him for the FBI and authorities breaking up this uh, this plot to uh, uh, kidnap um, uh, members of the government in Michigan and possibly uh, assassinate some of them, especially her. So what we see here, brother, is we see, as uh, my friend Dr. Greg Carr calls them, the white nationalist party. We see the white nationalist party in cahoots with a lot of these white supremacists. And lastly, lastly, um, a, a state, a Michigan State Attorney General, Dana Nessel. She was interviewed by Katie Turr on MSNBC, and uh, she did some other interviews, also MS, uh, also CBS News. And she talked about how they have seen uh, these white uh, supremacist nationalist organizations in the state capitol uh, hobnobbing with law enforcement, hobnobbing with members of law enforcement at these protests, things like this. And this is another dimension to this as well. So, brother, this is this is why these are critical times. We have to uh, stay vigilant and we have to pay attention to what's going on. And we have to protect ourselves also because the Second Amendment applies not just to white people, but African. Again, when, when, when you see when you see the lack of anything for Bill Barr, the fact that he has said nothing about these arrests, it was the U.S. attorney, mm -hmm. 20 different people, Joseph, uh, who have been arrested. Uh, and again, uh, you know, Trump. Uh, really, his only comment is blasting the governor. They, uh, this is their base. 
So folks should not be shocked. In fact, I'm going to try to find the video. There's this white sheriff in, there's a white sheriff in Michigan who was on stage at a anti-mask rally with mm -hmm. two of these white men who was arrested. And this fool actually tried to say, well, they could have been trying to arrest the governor and the law allows for a felony arrest. A white sheriff is literally trying to come up with a defense for these white domestic terrorists. Joseph. Well, it's, it's not anything new. I mean, we've seen this throughout Trump's presidency. I mean, think about some of the bizarre statements that he's made, including on the death of George Floyd. He said George Floyd would be happy that he signed a bill, you know, that George Floyd was a, yeah, it was a tragic death, but, you know, things happen. Uh, this has been a pattern. And we, you know, as far as the nexus between law enforcement and white supremacy, that one goes back for a long time, too. Yep. I mean, think about the people who right. were involved in a lot of the civil rights murders. Many of them wore stars and badges on their chests. Uh, think about uh, the, the, the militiamen who shot two people during the protests in Michigan. Uh, it's not unusual. And the problem here is that we've got so many guns in the population that anybody can take up arms and nobody will blink an eye. And I think also the problem here is the fact that if we had a functional justice department, if we had a functional presidency and an executive branch, we would not have necessarily these problems uh, with militiamen running around thinking that they're going to kidnap uh, politicians and overturn the state and spark uh, what they think is a revolution. I mean, that's not how it goes. So I think that one of the things we need to do is look back hard at the uh, at the uh, judicial at the um, Justice Department, look back hard at what they're doing and what they're not doing, and what the Trump administration is keeping them from doing. Look at what Bill Barr has done. Look at what uh, members of Congress on the Republican side, on the Judiciary Committee, and those sort uh, those sorts of uh, assignments have done. We, I think by the time this presidency is over, we're going to have seen a lot of stuff under the rug that will just blow our minds. Not like what we've, what we've seen already hasn't been bad enough. We're going to find out a lot of things and a lot of uh, close calls that we had that nobody really addressed and that probably would have taken, some people would have taken to the grave if they'd been able to. It's going to be a long time cleaning up after this one. And I think also, Michael, I think what we have to recognize is that there is going to have to be uh, a true reckoning. What I mean by a true reckoning, I don't think people understand how white supremacists and these folks have infiltrated law enforcement, have infiltrated the Marine. There has to be a purge. There has to be a right. massive purge in this country. Uh, we had the, uh, the the woman on with the group where they uh, discovered this private Facebook chat group where these cops were hurling racist, uh, sexist messages around. And these were cops right. from police departments all across the country. And so... We have to understand that. We did the story, uh, it was a Louisiana uh, TV station, I think it was out of Baton Rouge, uh, did a story on uh, a member of a drug task force, a state trooper, uh, who called another cop the N-word, and that, mm. that, 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 that officer still has his job and is still undercover in New Orleans. This station went as so far as to publish this guy's photo and name because they were saying, what, so what, what do you think? If he called a black man who's a fellow cop the N-word, could he very well railroad black folks in his cases? That's the kind of stuff that we have to understand uh, is going on in this country. Absolutely. And, and when we look at this history of policing, and in addition to being the host of the African History Network show, I'm also a historian, uh, I know there's a an, an increased there's a there's a wave of white supremacists infiltrating uh, law enforcement, but when I do an analysis, they've always been in law enforcement. It's just I think it's getting worse 
and we're learning more about it, but it's, it's important for us to understand white supremacists have always been in law enforcement. Okay, now that, is, that does not mean that we should tolerate it or it's acceptable. The other thing is, as these white supremacists become exposed, as they get fired, because we're seeing this in different uh, cities. We are, we've also seen that here in the city of Detroit, with uh, Detroit uh, uh, pol police department as well. Certain incidences and white officers being fired. It's important for African Americans to understand. At the end of the day, many of us are going to have to apply to the police department and become the type of officers we say we want to see. The officers who serve and protect. The officers who live in the community and protect the community that they live in, at the end of the day, many of us are going to have to apply to the police department and become those officers because that's one less uh, spot for a white supremacists to be an officer as well. Um, again, what, well, see, can, can I, Joseph, go ahead, go ahead. Go one ahead. thing that I wanted to talk about, I mean, you make a very good point and a very strong point, but the thing that, that echoes through my mind, I mean, I'm an old cop reporter. A lot of times mm -hmm. the police departments themselves are a culture of white supremacy. Even black True. officers sometimes fall prey yes. to this. Even though black mm -hmm. officers are supposed to be the ones that are protecting and serving and looking out for mm -hmm. the community, when they become a part of the culture, the question gets right. asked, are you black or are you blue? And nine times out of 10, the answer is blue until those officers get into trouble, and then it's a whole other problem. So I think that, 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 that while your point is, 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 is spot on, I think the culture itself needs True. to be destroyed. It needs to be dismantled, it needs to be taken down, and we need to rebuild police departments and reimagine mm -hmm. policing from the ground up. Now, the problem that you have with that is that too many departments are controlled by unions. Too many other departments right. are controlled by politicians. And that is a very dangerous combination, especially when it comes for African-Americans and trying to make sure that policing is not only fair, but also responsible and accountable. Too often, we have no accountability with police departments. And that, I think, is one of the hugest problems with uh, police violence and police allowing to get away with this, where there is no mm -hmm. accountability and the culture is allowed to flourish. So you need to just break it down and start rebuilding from square one with a culture of accountability and fairness for everybody. If you want to, right. un if you want to understand how the Trump folks are uh, focused on and appealing to racist, look at this. The Justice Department has suspended all diversity and inclusion training mm -hmm. in every division, including for immigration judges that regularly hear cases of persecution based on religion, LGBT status, and gender. Not only that, folks, so not only that, just yesterday, just yesterday, uh, this same department all of a sudden uh, filed a lawsuit against the folks at Yale over what? Yes, admissions. Uh, in uh, admissions and where race comes up. But not only that, I'm going to uh, po pose one more. Let me find uh, the article. Uh, I sent to our folks. Uh, not sure we have it um, in the script. Uh, the Labor Department. Yes. They, the Labor Department, they are now targeting, they are now targeting um, companies. So, you know, you've had these companies, Microsoft, NBC News, and others announce uh, the hiring of black staffers. Uh, they're going to commit to hiring these. They're now targeting these companies. This is unbelievable, y'all. They're targeting these companies to say, oh, here it is, uh, to say, hmm, are you instituting quotas? Look at this here. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Numerical diversity hiring targets attract government scrutiny. The U.S. Labor Department is investigating companies with federal contracts that have included specific numerical goals in their pledges to increase diversity, arguing 
that these resemble illegal quotas and could potentially discriminate against white applicants and other groups, according to people familiar with the matter. These people, Michael, I mean, yes. it, is, it, is, it, is not more, it is not more clear that they right. are hell-bent on, on running a white supremacist campaign. Well, you know, Roland, all this, we see this common thread all across the board. And as Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, who I knew and had interviewed before, and as Nilly Fuller have taught us, um, if you do not understand European white supremacy and racism, what it is and how it works, everything else that you think you understand will totally confuse you. When you look at the article from Forbes.com, uh, U.S. Labor Department investigated Microsoft over its commitment to increase black representation and work in workforce. Uh, my, the, uh, there was a representative from Microsoft who retorted back. His name Dev uh, Dev uh, Stalkoff. He retorted back to the Labor Department and said that Microsoft is a uh, full well, full, uh, they know full well how to appropriately create opportunities for people without taking away opportunities from others. So what you hear, what you see here, the same attack that Trump is making on the 1619 project, even though there's some flaws with the 1619 project, but the same attack he's making there, the same attack he's making on diversity training, he's making uh, here when it comes to um, what Microsoft is doing and other companies, okay? So what they want to do is uh, control all of this opportunity and to lock African-Americans out of these opportunities and, um, you know, non-white uh, non people, but at the same time, try to give us a two-page uh, platinum plan, which is a fool, fool's gold plan, to stay, to stay in power, to keep inflicting harm upon us. So this is, this is some more, but this is reason number 453, why Donald Trump must be voted out of office. Uh, folks, uh, we're also looking at a lot of different races across the country. One of them is a race for the United States Senate in Tennessee. Marquita Bradshaw is a Democratic candidate for that seat uh, in what she calls a Marquita versus Goliath race against the Trump-endorsed Republican candidate Bill Haggerty. Now, she's the only African-American woman running for the Senate in the entire country this cycle. Uh, she, of course, beat uh, a highly uh, uh, favored Democratic, income, Democratic uh, challenger uh, in the primary who was supported by Senator Chuck Schumer, the Democratic Senate uh, uh, campaign committee who raised a lot of money. She raised 8200 bucks and beat him. She joins us right now. Uh, Marquita, welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you for having me. So... What's your plan? How do you you're you're running in the deep red state? Um, folks say you have no shot whatsoever. They said the same thing when you ran for the in the primary. You only raised eighty two hundred bucks, uh, but you're you said, look, you focused on out organizing them on the ground. How can you win in November? The way that I win in November is how I've been doing over 25 years, and that's organizing. And it's relational organizing. That's how you win any type of uh, political uh, campaign. And Tennessee is not a red state. We rank at the bottom when it comes to voting. There are a lot of people that are getting engaged in this process for the first time and some who have lost faith that want to see a person that represent their issues in a United States Senate. And that's how I will win. Um, on that particular point, and so, so where, you, where, you, where you're saying is, look, 
Uh, there are lots of people out there who have checked out of the process. If I can stir them up and go to the polls, that is how uh, you can beat uh, a heavy favorite in Tennessee. That's, uh, well, you, as like before, uh, Nobody saw me coming because they weren't on the ground talking to the people like I were, like I was. And I've been talking to people all over the state of Tennessee since I entered the race last year. I'm running because Tennessee deserves to have a leader in Washington who faced the same issues that they do and not another millionaire who's disconnected from people's everyday struggles. So um, you say you've been going across the state. What have you been hearing and what groups have you been engaging with? Uh, are you seeing uh, folks who are normally conservative and Republican uh, dissatisfied with what they're seeing out of the party in Trump? Uh, are you seeing uh, a lot of folks who are considered liberal or progressive who have long given up thinking my vote doesn't count now saying, hey, it can't matter? Our our voting base has been disengaged from the process because they've lost faith in the system and the elect officials who who are supposed to represent them. But they never seem to act in people's best interests. We're running a people power campaign and you can't really buy this election because we're creating a movement instead. In the primary, we shocked everybody across the country because they underestimated the enthusiasm for people wanting healthy and safe communities where they live, learn, work, worship, and recreate. And we have foundational pillars that we talk about. Everybody needs health care. People need um, an economy that's built around working people, education with high quality, high quality education for every child, and an environment with a just transition away from pollution. Because right now, our industries are based on pollution and pain, and we have to move away from pollution if we want to save our planet and also people's health. Uh, questions. Joseph Williams, you got a question for Makita? Uh, Ms. Brasher, nice to meet you, uh, and I'm a Tennessee guy. I grew up in Hamilton County, uh, right outside Chattanooga, so good luck to you. Um, what I'd like to know is uh, you beat uh, the Democratic challenger, the guy who was the woman who was uh, backed by the establishment, has the DCC come or DSCC come to your aid? Number one, uh, are they offering you some money? And number two, your uh, platform sounds a lot like uh, the progressives, uh, in that Bernie Sanders would really warm to. Has he contacted you, and is he supporting you in this race? Actually, we have been endorsed by Bernie Sanders. We have been in, endorsed by Marianne. We've been endorsed by Cory Booker. We've been endorsed by AOC. The DS. Triple C. They're still listening, um, but as of now, no money yet. Is it possible to win with with without the D uh, uh, S double C's help? I won it before, and I can do it again. Michael, question for Marquita. Yes, hello, Marquita. This is Michael M. Hotel. Um, Question for you. Uh, this so this is uh, U.S. Senator. How, um, how many votes do you think that you would need to win uh, this race? We estimated about 2.5 million votes. About 2.5 million votes statewide. So just curious, what has? Um, how do you see your coalition? Um, the the to get to those 2.5 million votes, just curious, what percentage, how, how does uh, the votes break down per race? What percentage do you think will come from African-Americans in general? What percentage from Hispanics? What percentage from white people? Have you uh, figured that out yet? 
we have done an analysis by county by mm-hmm. county. We know exactly okay. uh, what votes we should get from each county. We actually, we started this analysis um, in March of last year for not only the primary, but the general. So this is a well thought out plan. I saw the okay. plan to victory last March when I started really digging in deep and doing a st- statistical analysis of what it would take to win this race. And um, because I have been a longtime community organizer in my uh, South Memphis community and all across this state um, as a community activist and doing international work, we were, be- we were able to dig in deep and build a, a wide coalition of voters in the primary that was a great foundation. And these were mm-hmm. the voters that would normally not get involved in a process, that were not connected to, to organizations, and to be able to build a coalition and making everybody you meet an organizer, it builds out your political, relational, political program in a way that you will secure uh that I'll secure the general because I'm not working by myself. This is a we movement. This is a people power movement. And if we get money, that's great. You can come now or you can come later, but we will win and win in the general. And I will be installed January 3rd, 2021. Um, One last question if I could, Rose. Yeah, go ahead. Um, a lot of times when we have elections, when it's uh, during the presidential election, a lot of times people will focus on the president, but not focus on the Senate and not understand how critical and important the U.S. Senate is. Can can you explain some of the duties that it, that the U.S. Senate does? There are only two per state, okay, for the U.S. Senate. Can you explain some of the duties uh, and responsibilities of a U.S. Senate so people can understand how important that Senate seat is? The U.S. Senate seat confirms the nomination for the the Supreme Court. They also confirm the treaties that we go into, and they also do uh, something that's very important that a lot of communities in Tennessee have been disenfranchised uh, from the system and pretty much divested from. And so they do also um, determine the actual federal budget and confirm the federal budget when it comes to appropriations based on the census. So everybody do your census uh, to to make sure and ensure that when you elect me as your next United States senator, that I have all the tools to make sure that you're able to build out your communities the way you want them to. Because the U.S. senator has so much control over how our Funding comes into our state and our local governments and even in in our schools. Um, Our schools should be fully funded from the federal level, the same as our military. And I know what I am supposed to go to the U.S. Senate to do because I've been building a people's platform full of Tennessee voices all over the state, not only in the primary. We have continued to do this during um, this general race, and we are not finishing. We are actually opening up uh, our offices across the state to show my commitment to be available and transparent to voters in the election process and my commitment to keep that same level of engagement once I'm elected as the next United States Senator of the great state of Tennessee. All right, then. Regina Bradshaw, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us at Roller Unfiltered. Uh, Good luck. 
And could you tell everybody to go to Marquita.com, MarquitaBradshaw.com to learn about more information about the campaign to get involved. Even if you're not in the state of Tennessee, we, you can volunteer from your couch, call from your couch, and also there's that donate button at the top of the page. Thank you. No, no need to tell them. You just did. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Uh, final story, folks. Charleston, South Carolina police arrested attorney Jason Taylor yesterday charging him with pointing and presenting a firearm at a person. No, y'all, it wasn't just a person, okay? He was a black cadet, a Charleston police black cadet with a, with a police corps cadet, responded to a complaint of loud music playing. The cadet was taking part in a ride-along with the officer. While they were taught walking, the cadet said he saw Taylor standing in his driveway pointing a gun at him. Taylor told the cadet to get off his property. Taylor put his handgun on his porch after the officer identified the cadet. Taylor's white, the cadet is black. Mm. That's America, Joseph. You know what? Nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, we got white people mm -hmm. with guns, you know, threatening to kill our duly elected governor. You know, we've got a president who actively encourages these sort of things. These are the times that we're living in. I mean, if Biden wins, he's going to have a whole lot to clean up and a whole uh, not very much time to clean it up in. I mean, he's only got four years to make his mark. He better get the he better get the hustling when he gets inaugurated in January. Michael, final comment, uh, brother. This is this is uh, Trump's America. The America that he said was going to go crazy if Biden became president is is happening right now under Trump. So this is why the show is so important, so we can expose these white supremacists, white nationalists, and we have to defeat Trump and defeat the white nationalist party. All right, then, gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right, Thanks, folks, Roland. that is it for us. Please, if we want you to support Roland Martin Unfiltered, please go to our uh, supporters via Cash App, PayPal. Uh, you could do, of course, uh, Venmo, uh, money order as well. Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can send a money order to New Vision Media, 1625 K Street. Um, again, New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc. Make, make it out to New Vision Media, please. Again, 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Every dollar you give goes to support this show and what we do to make it the best possible show, giving you the kind of black news and information you're not getting anywhere else on a daily basis on the digital side. Folks, uh, Monday, I will be in Texas. Early voting begins on Tuesday. I'm flying home on Sunday. First time I've been on a plane since February. Yeah, I got a hazmat suit and everything. My parents are 73. We are not playing when it comes to coronavirus. Uh, so I'll be broadcasting from Dallas on Monday's show. Got it? All right. So, folks, uh, you have a great weekend, uh, and I shall see you guys on Monday. We always in the show course with our donors. Go ahead and run the list. Holla! Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.